Today on this edition of the Forest City Church Podcast, lead pastor Eric Park's message from the Redefining Ordinary series is The Power of the Spirit. Hi, what's up everybody? I haven't seen you in forever and I'm still alive. I made it. I did it. What, what, for some of you, you're like, what is he talking about? All right, check this out. So two weeks ago, um, there were 26 of us that, well, 26 of us that finished the Chicago Marathon. So, big deal. Hey, if you're in the house and you ran, just raise your hand. I know there's a couple of you. There's a couple. I see. Okay, now listen. Here's a big deal. Here's the deal. So, we've been doing running this marathon for a season, and um, this year, I want to celebrate with you what we were able to accomplish. So, this year... There were a bunch of us that were raising money. We weren't just running the marathon. We were actually raising money for clean water. You guys know, those of you that have been around, you know we do this every single year. This year, we raised $115,290. Folks, that's 2,305 children that now will have access to clean water. This is a big deal, right? This is a big deal. Now, listen to this. There were uh, 26 runners that finished the marathon, and to date, Forest City Church, Rockford, Heartland Campus. You see how I did that? I snuck that in there. Heartland Campus. You know how much money we've raised? We've raised since 2017 $1,031,260. When we talk about redefining ordinary, this is what we're talking about, right? This is what we're talking about where we unleash generosity in the world. I've spent the last 10 years traveling the globe, ministering and uh, being a part of organizations that serve children in the developing world. And I'm telling you, this stuff matters. There are children that you will never meet this side of heaven, that because you gave or you ran, it makes a difference. And this is the kind of place that we strive to be. And this, honestly, as we dive into this series, Redefining Ordinary, this is what we're talking about. Like, what should it look like for us as followers of Jesus? What should ordinary look like? Because I fear for too many of us, ordinary, what we've come to live with, isn't what Jesus had in mind. It's ordinary because this is what we live with. But the reality is, I think, for some of us, we need to redefine that. And so we're on this journey. Now, let me say this. For some of you, you know, Based on lots of circumstances, you can't always get into this space and we don't get to worship together. Let me tell you the best way to catch up on this series. And if you haven't caught up, this is the best way to do it. If you have a podcasting platform, Spotify, Apple, Podbean, you pick it. You can go online. You could subscribe to the Forest City Church podcast. It is the best way to catch up on any message that happens on the weekend. So if you haven't done that, you need to go back, listen to I kicked off this series, Chad taught, then we had Susie teach us, catch up. Secondly, we have this little thing, and I know a lot of you are like, you're so like, I don't know what's happening with digital. Why aren't you just showing what's happening in the room? There's lots of reasons. We're going to talk about the family meeting. But let me say this, little tiny church, we have a thing called tiny church, and you may not know this, but tiny church is a shrunk version of what I'm talking about today. So tomorrow, go to YouTube And before you start your day, either listen to the message or just go through Tiny Church. It's literally 13 minutes of your time where you'll get refreshed in everything that we did today, a way to sort of kickstart your week. So podcast, Tiny Church, catch up on the series. But let me try to 
in a nutshell, tell you what we've been doing. We've been talking about redefining ordinary for us as followers of Jesus, and we've been primarily doing that by looking at the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And one of the things we addressed early on is that for some of us, based on your tradition, talking about the Holy Spirit can be a real weird thing, right? Because if you grew up in some backgrounds, right, if you were a holy roller, like there's a certain, certain thing tied to Holy Spirit. And then if you grew up in different environments, you might actually think about the Trinity in a different way. It's more like Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures, But the reality is what we're talking about is the third in the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We're learning that the Holy Spirit, he is God, and he is more than just a feeling or a force. He is defined in Scripture as a person. And we're learning that our Christian life starts, it begins with the Holy Spirit. It is driven by the Holy Spirit. It will end in the Holy Spirit. And in that first week, one of the things I tried to challenge us to begin to think through is the reality is if your life isn't, as a follower of Jesus, characterized by these six words, then we need redefinition. And the six words were, we should see life abounding in us, hope surrounding us, freedom within us. We should be exalting truth. We should feel comfort and lastly, power, right? Life, hope, freedom, truth, comfort, power. L-H-F-T-C-P. Find out what that means to me. Right? Well, today we're going to look at that last word. Because I think power is something we have to understand when we redefine ordinary. Let me pray. God, help us in this next few minutes understand what the Holy Spirit, what the kind of power that we have access to as followers of Jesus. Help us walk out of this place committed to redefining our ordinary in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Now listen, here's what we know. The Bible tells us if you're a follower of Jesus, you are promised power. You were promised power. Acts 1.8 says this, but you shall, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You, as a follower of Jesus, when you stepped into faith, this is your promise. You will receive power. This is what the Bible tells us. Then you go to 1 Thessalonians 1.5. It says, for our gospel did not come to you in word only. In other words, it's not just so that you learn and it can say some things, right? It's not the verses that you know. It says that's not just it, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. See, power is a promise to believers. And yet, it's funny to me, if we were to go around and take a survey of how many would like a little more power in your life, my guess is, if we were honest, a lot of us would say, I could use a little more power. A little, little more. I'm feeling a little low on power, right? I, I was walking in, this is, now listen, don't judge me for what I'm about to do, okay? But, I was thinking about, we think about power in a very specific way. And I was walking through the, the house, and my 18-year-old, this was this summer, he was watching this movie. Now, I don't know much about this movie. Um, in fact, I haven't seen all of these movies. I haven't seen any of them. But when I walked into the room, it clicked. You can play that clip. 
This is, this is the movie he was watching. So this is Fast and the Furious, right? This is a race car movie. Now, you see what he just did? He pressed a button on his car and it made his car shoot forward because they're racing and it's for pink slips, right? So whoever wins gets it. But then this guy hits his button and his car shoots even faster. And I was walking through going, you know, this is how we see power in our lives. And oftentimes how we treat the Holy Spirit, that there's a button somewhere inside of us. And if I can just find that button and push it, there's going to be this like super juice that just happens and I'm going to raise up in the air and fly off. Or I'm going to overcome everything. I'm going to crash through walls. I'm learning that actually isn't the sort of power that the scripture is talking about. It doesn't really work quite like that, that button. Oh, there's a button, but it's not that one. And I think there's a reason why we think about power this way. So let's dissect power for a minute. The reality is there's two views of power. Like all of us have two views of power. The first is this idea of power over. Now you're familiar with power over whether you know it or not. Because power over is the most common way in which we see power. Power is over, is sort of characterized by force or by control or by dominion or coercion, right? Most people see power as power over. It's why when we see these movies, we go, oh, I want to push that button. It's why, honestly, the reality is the, the, the things we watch tell you a lot about how we see power. Think about it. Do you know in the end game, the Avengers end game, that movie, you know that movie, superhero movie? Do you know that one movie grossed $2.7 billion worldwide? Two with a B. That's a lot of money. That's one superhero movie. And the reason why all superhero movies keep getting made, they're now making like the 27th Batman, right? You know why? Because we keep going. We show up. Well, why? Because we like this idea that maybe some ordinary average Joe like me might discover a rock or have a secret belt or have a secret room or have a superpower. And all the stuff that's wrong with us, we just push a button and we become superheroes. We're going to fly through everything. We like this idea. It sounds great because the reality is, if we're honest, many of us feel like we don't have much control at all in our lives, much power. Now listen, don't be nudging people next to you. Don't do this if you want to have a happy marriage. But some of you are control freaks, right? Some of you know it. You're nodding. Some of you like the idea of being in complete control of everything in your life where everything sits, where everything goes. And some of us are control freaks, but all of us like control, right? All of us like power over. Because there is a narrative that we believe about power over and control. And the narrative's pretty simple. If I can have power over, if I can push a button and be released into like supernatural juice, then maybe, maybe I'll be happy. Or maybe I can find contentment. Because the truth is we look at our circumstances and we just derive some things based on not having power and control that may not be true. You know, it's like, well, if I had a better job or had power over my job, my boss, he just makes me miserable. If I had a little more power in my relationship, if I had a little more control in my life, if I could control my circumstances more. And you know, 
Many of us are spending an inordinate amount of energy trying to control everything in our life. Every little piece, every little portion, because we really believe that if we can control it, if we have power over it, maybe I can find some peace. Does that resonate with anybody, right? Yeah? Like a little bit of power doesn't sound too bad, does it? And you know, you hear these stories about, or you hear a preacher stand up and say, Holy Spirit's gonna give you power. We immediately think, oh great, he's gonna give me control. I'm not control. I'm power over. That's what I want. And then we're disappointed when we don't see power over manifest in our lives. And we're like, well, it must not work or something's broken with me. See, this isn't the power that the Holy Spirit came to bring you. It's not power over. Because there's a different way to view power. I'm gonna use a different word. We'll call it power to. And power to is different than power over. Power over is characterized by control, coercion, force, right? It is the Nas button. It is the superhero thing. But what the Holy Spirit does is different. He brings power to. And the Bible lays out pretty clearly what your power, the power you have access, is power to do. Really four simple things. And so let me lay it out in, in the Bible. Like this is what you have power, this is it. This, this doesn't take much unlocking. This you have access if you're a follower of Jesus today, right now as we speak. Number one, the Holy Spirit has power to convict the world of sin. The Bible tells us that in John 16. And you know, this one's interesting to me because as Christians, we do some funny things, Right? My team will tell you I use this phrase all the time. Real long tables, real low walls. Real long tables, real low walls. What I want Forest City Church to be characterized as real long tables, real low walls. You go, what does that mean, Eric? It means if you want to know Jesus, you can come on in. If you want to know him, you can belly up to the table. And I'll have people press me all the time. Well, Eric, why aren't you going to get up there and start screaming about sin? Why don't you start talking about sin? You need to talk about sin. I'm like, first off, what good is it that I stand up and try to convict somebody of sin? Because it's pretty clear. That's what the Spirit's job is. You ever heard the phrase, stay in your lane? I feel like God's like, hey, Parks, stay in your lane, bro. I got the sin. You do you, I'll do me. And this is what we know. Like when we talk about power, one of the things that the, the, the Spirit does inside of us is it begins to help us understand. Let, let me clarify this what it is that we need to begin to clean up. It does. Spirit makes you aware. It gives you power to see things you could not see before. Now that's why you oftentimes will see people who come to Jesus and addictions are broken because there was power they did not have before knowing Jesus to see the brokenness that was in them. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's power to see brokenness in relationships you couldn't see before. you messing up relationships, left after right. You come to Jesus, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I see it. Now, this is uncomfortable. Sometimes we don't want to see the brokenness. Sometimes it's like ignorance is bliss with this stuff. But this is power. It is power to understand what it is inside here that needs to get cleaned up. This is power. 
to know that. And this is one thing that the Spirit does. Listen, Four City Church, I think you're on a fool's errand if you think you're in the job of convicting people of sin. Good luck. Good luck. That's the Spirit's job. Our job, tell people about Jesus. I'm going to get to what your job is. Number two, this is what Spirit does. Spirit gives us power. Power has the to convict the world of sin. Number two, Holy Spirit has power to renew men and make them new. This is exactly what the scripture says. It says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. So here's the good news. Not only does the Spirit give you eyes to see the stuff that needs to get cleaned up, he gives you power. It's like a vacuum to start cleaning. See what I'm saying? Like my wife oftentimes can't understand how our sons don't see the mess in the house, right? It's almost like if they could have the power to see the messes they create. It was so funny. We came back and Graham came home for the weekend a few weekends ago. It was actually the weekend that I was running. And so we were gone. He was here. And um, I was talking to him on the phone and he goes, man, dad, since I've been off of college, I've really learned a lot about cleaning up after myself. I just really appreciate how much you and mom like really cleaned and I'm really getting this all kind of dialed in. And we got back to the house. It was a complete disaster. I was like, bro, you... I don't know what you're learning about cleanliness, but it is not translating in this house, right? This is what's interesting, but there is something that's happening to that young man where before he couldn't see the messes, and at least now he sees it. And we are praying that the Holy Spirit will give him power to now start to pick it up, right? But this is what the Holy Spirit does for us. He helps us see the mess. And then he starts to like give us a vacuum to clean it up. He gives you power to be the person. Now, now, you know this, right? You know that there's a version of you that God thought up that is the best version of you. That's the one he thought up. He, he thought you up. He thought every one of you up. I don't care how you walked in today. No accidents. No accidents. What's beautiful about the power that we're given is to see the brokenness that gets in the way and then we're given power to regenerate. The Holy Spirit to rework. Now, we have our part to play in this. Dallas Willard would say, without Jesus, you can do nothing, but if you do nothing, it will be without Jesus. But that is power. To not feel like it is almost worse to know there's brokenness you can do nothing about, right? It's almost like I'd rather not know that I have this brokenness and I can do nothing about it. But this is what's such good news is the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. He gives you power to see it. And then the Bible tells us he gives you power to clean it up. He begins to regenerate these things inside you. And then the third thing, and I love this, the Holy Spirit has the power to give abiding and everlasting satisfaction. In other words, to give you peace, to see your mess, to clean it up, and to live complete. 
Now, if that sounds good to you, doesn't it almost feel like we use control to achieve those three things almost always? See the mess, clean it up, and feel complete. And the Holy Spirit goes, it won't be power over. I'm gonna give you power too. You'll see it. I'll give you power to begin to clean it up and regenerate. And then I'll give you power to live in a space where you're okay, where you're happy, where you're complete, where you're satisfied. See, this is, this is the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think for far too long in our churches, we've left the Holy Spirit out and we can't be surprised. So many of us sometimes don't know we have sin in our lives. We don't know how to get it fixed and we don't live very satisfied. And I'm not throwing shade at anybody because reality is like the programs that we have, we have some really good programs and a lot of good classes, but the reality is I don't even know if you need any of that stuff. Holy Spirit is the power that you need to become everything that God meant you to be. Not, not me. I got none. I'm, I'm using all that same power. I need it all just like you do. Every day, trying to become a little bit more of what Jesus had in mind. But this is the power that you have. And now here is the kicker. Because if we leave it there, then we miss the whole picture. And honestly... When we talk about this church, one of the things we talk about is how do we move us from being consumers to contributors? How do we move us to a place where we are on mission all the time, knowing that there's a bunch of us or a bunch of what we used to be like sitting out in that world and we need to go out there? It leads to the fourth piece. See, this restoration process that you have power to leads to the fourth, fourth power. Go back to Acts 1.8. It says that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Now, this is the so that. See, all this redemption, the power to see your mess, the power to clean it up, the power to satisfy is all so that. It's like an equation. This plus this plus this equals so that. You can be my witness. This is what Jesus says. You, the Bible tells us, speak for Christ. In every setting you walk into, you speak for him. Every Facebook post you post, you speak for him. Everywhere you go, you speak for Jesus. And what I'm realizing is I need power for this restoration so that I can participate in God's redemptive plan in a way that I otherwise could not. And that's true for you. See, your purpose, it is not to do a good job at work. Do a good job at work. Your boss is going to call me and yell at me. But to do a good job at work. It's not to make money. It's not to build your company. It's not to go to school. It's not to get a degree. Your purpose are none of those things. Your purpose, your purpose, your purpose is to participate in God's redemptive work in and on this world, period. That's what you are as a disciple. 
That's what disciples do. That's what we do. Our job isn't to come to church, isn't to make me happy. Our job is to participate in his redemptive work. That is your mission. And this power too sets you up to blaze a trail in this world. I love the way that Jesus talks about his disciples. And I think there is no more important power than the power to be his disciple. You know, this is a tangent, but I'm gonna go there. You know, like when we talk about disciples, oftentimes people are being discipled all the time. You're being discipled all the time. Something's forming your spirit, right? And Jesus says this, he goes, how are people gonna know my disciples? How are people gonna know my witness? Because Jesus is saying, I'm gonna give you power. You're gonna go through this process to be my witness. How are people gonna know my witnesses? How will they know on just a glance? He could have said, by the t-shirts they wear or the jerseys they wear. Now, some of you are disciples of the Chicago Bears or Denver Broncos. Why? We don't know. But we're disciples of them. We wear their gear. We, we sort of know what's happening in Arlington Heights. We're excited about the Bears. We're disciples. Some of you are discipled by political parties. Once again, why? <laughs> some of you are discipled by news channels. Facebook, you are being formed. And you are known by certain things, the jerseys you wear. So Jesus said, look, my disciples, how will my disciples know? And he didn't say jerseys or news channels. He didn't say stadiums or football. He said one thing, one thing. He said, my disciples, in John 13, 35, they'll be known for how they love one another. Now tell me, because I think the minute I start to talk about love and the power to love, all of you are like, oh, brother, some of you, oh, brother. It's going to break out in a Whitney Houston song. Now we're going to have love fest, getting all soft and fluffy. This is ridiculous. Here he goes again. That park's talking about love. Oh, boy. Let me tell you something. There is nothing you need power more for than to love like Jesus loved. I'm telling you now. Go to 1 Corinthians. Check this out. Check this out. You tell me. Tell me. How hard is it to never give up? It's hard. How hard is it to love somebody else more than you love yourself? It's really hard. How hard is it to not want what you don't have? Or to not strut or not have a swelled head when things come your way? How hard is it not to force yourself on somebody else when you really are kind of me first? We're me first people. How hard is it to not fly off the handle when you feel like you should be able to? How hard is it? to put up with anything? And how hard is it to trust God always, no matter how things look? How hard is it to always look for the best and never look back? Isn't that hard? Is that like all this stuff you look at and go, that's really hard. That takes power. And do you know the promise is that Jesus will give you power to see your mess, to clean it up, to be satisfied so that you can love this way? 1 Corinthians 13 says, this is what love does. I go through the whole thing. But it doesn't quit. It doesn't give up. It doesn't have what it doesn't have. It doesn't, doesn't have what it doesn't want. It doesn't strut. This is what love does. I think we only read that verse in, in weddings, don't we? We're like, oh, that's so sweet. No, no, I don't think you understand. This verse, you, you can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't. 
Some of you think you're doing pretty good. Ask your wife. Like, yeah, you're not. This, this. Like, if we think about the power of the Holy Spirit in us and what it will reveal through us, it is this. And what we've begun, what I've begun to understand about this power is that it is actually the only power that redeems. Now think about it. You sit here in this room because of the power of the love of Jesus. Not because of flowery words, because of the power of love of Jesus. Like, he let you in even though he shouldn't have. He redeemed you even though you didn't deserve it. He went to the cross even though you probably were rejecting him for years before you had ever dawned on you that that was what was happening. This is what Jesus did. And this same love is what he asks us to do. Nothing else. But to do that, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. So I've been thinking about buttons, right? It's not fast and furious, is it? Like, the button we need to push, it's not fast and furious. If we're ever going to walk this power journey towards true discipleship, where we are a place that everybody in this city goes, I'll tell you what, that Eric, that 4C church, I don't know, they're kind of goofy sometimes. Carrington gets a little excited. Eric bores me. But boy, do they love people. My gosh, like they'll let anybody in. They'll let anybody in. It doesn't really matter who they are. They'll let anybody in. And like, really? That's what we're going to do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can come to family meeting, but I'm just going to tell you, like, that's what we're going to do. Because I, I don't see any way around it. And I haven't experienced anything other but the power of Jesus' love that has the ability to redeem and restore shattered lives to take things that are absolutely busted and broken and redeem them. And here's what's so cool. See, your story is a story that shows the power of Jesus' love on full display, and he promises you that power. We got to walk the process. We got a button to push, but it's not the button you think. It's this button. A few years ago, Chrissy and I decided to remodel our house in Colorado, right, before we moved here. And I grew up with, like, we actually didn't have a disposal. So when we got a disposal, when we got married, that was like glory. Anybody else? That was like glorious. I didn't have to scrape dishes anymore. You just shove whatever you want in that sink. I just pack it full of stuff. We used to have a little switch on the wall, right? But because it's not convenient enough, I don't know, we got really bougie. Um, it's not convenient enough to have a switch. Chrissy wanted to put in a button. You have one of those buttons, you know, the button on the thing, so it's real close, so you can grind up the food real fast. And I started thinking about what is it then, what, what is it that will access the power, release the power to see the junk in our lives, to begin to clean it up, to find some satisfaction and release the power of Jesus' love in the world around us. It's that button, actually. Like if you've got a button to push in your life, what I've begun to realize is i got to push a disposal. Here's how D.L. Moody puts it. 
He says, I firmly believe that the moment our hearts are empty, the pride and selfishness and ambition and self-seeking, the Holy Ghost will come and fill every corner of our lives. When we do our work, and that's pretty cool, like all I got to do is push a disposal and try to move me out of the way a little bit. I have a tattoo on my arm that reminds me of this, John 3.13. Less of me, dispose all me, more of you. The more I grind, the more I'll see the brokenness, the more I'll have power to step into healing, the more I'll find satisfaction, and the more I'll release his love on the planet, but the more, the bigger I get, the less of all those things are real in my life. Less power, less power, less power. It's a disposal. That's real hard. I kind of like me sometimes. I think I'm really smart. I think I have good ideas. I think I'm right. 79.3% of the time. But it's the disposal that releases the power. And if we don't have the right view of power, then we don't get the disposal. That doesn't make any sense. We want the NAS button. We want the NAS button. Give me power over. And Jesus is going, no, it's not about power over. I'm power over. I get power over. You don't get power over. That's me. I'm power over all things. But I'm going to release some power in you that's going to restore your life and redeem things in your past. And then, and then, I'm going to use you to do the same in the world around you. Watch what happens. You start pushing the disposal. You start getting smaller. Watch what happens. Come back. Tell me. If it doesn't work, we'll preach something else. If it doesn't work, tell me. We'll preach something else. But as far as I can see in my life, and what I see in the scripture is, every time I'm going, "Mm," what I start seeing is all the ruins in my life, it seems so counterintuitive. Grind it up so that what is ground up can come to life. Grind it up. You, so you can see what's broken, step into healing, find satisfaction, and extend my kingdom. That's your purpose, folks. That's your power through the Holy Spirit. It's in you. All you got to do is get rid of you a little bit. That's it. And maybe, maybe this week, maybe this week is like, you can only get about 1% of you into the disposal because this is a hard process to put away selfish ambitions and always want me first. It's hard, it's hard. Imagine what would happen if 1% every single week you just hit a little disposal. What would happen in 52 weeks? I'm not great at math, but it would be awesome, right? There'd be a big portion of you that you died to. And that means that every bit that you died to, the Holy Spirit steps into. Jesus is wanting to redeem our planet. Not just you, all of yous. But he wants to use you. He wants to restore things that are broken. And he has given us the power inside us through the Holy Spirit to see life spring up from death. For life to come out of the ruins. This is
just for them it's for you so I'm asking you in this next little window if you feel that God has that, that the enemy has robbed you that there's ruin I'm telling you all you gotta do is let it go today let it go ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior or this week begin to die to yourself will you stand with me as we sing this last verse and if you know it you can sing along but you'll know the second song Rocks, cause I know you are good and you are 
You've been listening to Eric Parks with a message, The Power of the Spirit, from the Redefining Ordinary series at Forest City Church. Thanks for listening.